0: Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for joining me tonight on this slightly late edition of Dead Talk Live, just for tonight. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. This show is simultaneously streamed to five different social media platforms, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you're on YouTube right now, if you haven't yet to do so, please go ahead and subscribe. If you like this broadcast, hit the thumbs up button. If you want to visit us on any of our other five social platforms, uh, you can look us up by looking up Dead Talk Live. So, like I said, welcome to everybody. I see... whoa, Summer is here. I guess my message to you, Summer, had some effect last night. (laughs) Anyway, it's good to see you here, Summer. Summer has been working very, very hard, and that's why she has not been able to attend each and every one of our episodes. And I miss her. I miss Summer. Uh, I want to welcome Tina Wilds, Philip, uh, who's joining us on Facebook. Lindsay is also with us from Canada on Facebook. Ali is also joining us on Facebook. Lisa Wilhelm. Lisa, I noticed you weren't here yesterday. Just want you to know that I noticed you weren't here. We missed you yesterday, Lisa. Uh, of course, we have our great moderators. We have Singer Chick, Khaleesi, and Saz. And then we have Marie, all by her lonesome on the Instagram side, moderating. Welcome to Sandra Carroll, who's just joined us on Instagram. Ogall has just joined us. 7AB, Ronaldo, Ronald is also saying hello on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. It's Friday evening here in uh, the United States on the East Coast. For some of you, I know it's Saturday morning. Either way, it's the start of the weekend. I hope everyone has a good weekend. Uh, This week is officially over. And with that, when we come back on Monday, it's going to be March. March. So depending on where you live, the winter will still continue for yet another month and a half. But for some people, March is, uh, you know, when you start seeing the first signs of spring. And also, at some time, I believe in the first week or two of March, we do the damn time change again. We spring forward one hour. I don't know exactly when, if it's going to be the first Sunday or the second Sunday of March, but I know that's coming up. Don't forget to change your clocks and move them up. 1 hour ahead that means we lose an hour of sleep. And talking about sleep, my schedule is getting out of control. For the last several nights, I have not been going to bed till like 8 8:30 eight in the morning. <laughs> I am I'm am, I've always been a night owl, but I'm working well into the night into the early morning hours. You know, you know that when you're awake to give your wife a kiss goodnight and you're still awake when she wakes up, and you see her go off to work, that your schedule might be a little off. I might need to go ahead and tweak it. But I know we have a lot of viewers uh, from overseas who, for them, it's the middle of the night right now. So it makes me feel not alone. I'm not the only night owl uh, out there. And it's not like I'm an insomniac. It's just for the last 15 years, I just become a night person. I I don't know. Maybe I'm a vampire. Who knows? I could be, you know, warping or transforming slowly into a vampire. Anyway, uh welcome to uh I already said Tina is here. AJ is here with us on uh YouTube as well. AJ I received your email. I have not had a chance to look at it yet, but I will very soon. It's been one of those busy days. Khaleesi writes, March 14th here in the U.S. is when we spring forward. So two weeks from this Sunday is when we spring forward to Eastern Daylight Savings Times here in the U.S., Uh, at least the East Coast. It's Eastern Daylight Savings Times, Uh, depending on where you are, the... uh, naming changes anyway i'm rambling i'm rambling i apologize for that i'm just a little jacked up uh trying to get here uh like i said the show started a little late today my apologies for that so let's get uh, let's just go ahead and get started okay uh some interesting news out there today and uh you know we always start off with a little bit of walking dead news the walking dead star teases return of classic character in spin-off movie, uh, right below the header it says it's absolutely has been discussed. The Walking Dead star Michael Cudlitz, and I gotta say, Michael Cudlitz, I watched Clarice last night. Damn, with each episode it keeps getting better and better. I know you guys are probably sick and of hearing uh, me talk about Clarice. That's because you gotta start watching it. If you're a fan of, you know, the Hannibal Lecter Silence of the Lambs story, uh even though Hannibal is not even mentioned in Clarice at all, but Clarice Starling, oh, yesterday was a phenomenal episode and Michael Cudlitz has, I mean, he's not just some supporting actor on the show. He's like the number 2 really next to uh Rebecca Breeds who's playing Clarice. And he is absolutely phenomenal. If you sit down and watch it, don't expect to see any hints of Abraham Ford in uh, Paul Krendler, which is the character that he plays in Clarice. It's not there. This is a very astute, high-up person in the FBI. Uh, No hints of Abraham Ford whatsoever. So if you're expecting to see some Abrahamisms uh, coming out of Clarice, you're going to be sorely disappointed. It just goes to show you what an amazing actor Michael Cudlitz is. And you could put him in any role and he will just nail it each and every time. Anyway, this article says The Walking Dead star Michael Cudlitz has hinted at the intriguing way his character, Sergeant Abraham Ford, could return to the franchise. The very idea of Abraham coming back to The Walking Dead might seem unusual to long-time fans, since he was very much killed at the hands of Negan back in Season 7 alongside Glenn. And, uh, you know, we see in this picture right here, uh, good old Abe was a redhead, was a ginger on The Walking Dead. He is back to, uh, you know, what I believe is his natural hair color in Clarice. Uh, no similarities between the two characters. None. And it's amazing. I'm watching you know, I'm watching him on TV and I have, you know, interviewed this person and I've emailed back and forth with him and I don't know. It's just it's mind-boggling. It's this amazing, I don't even know what to call it. In recent years, Kudlitz has been welcomed back to the show as a director and often hinted that viewers may not have seen the last of Abraham in spite of his grisly death. Yet, in an interview with Comic Book, Cudlett said that the discussion he's had with The Walking Dead boss, Scott M. Gimple, haven't involved a one-off backstory episode for Abraham, uh, like the show is doing for Negan this season. We have absolutely talked about returning, Cudlets confirmed. I think Scott Gimple actually leaked something about that. And it's not the same as the Negan thing. Those are character-centric, single episode only. And what they're talking about doing, from my understanding, what they're talking about doing with Abraham is he would be part of one of the films. All right, now we're getting something good. Uh, To the movies, a little bit of a longer format, obviously. Again, who knows? Nothing is 100%, but it absolutely has been discussed. And not just as a, a wish list from my side. It's been discussed by the people that actually make it happen. Primarily Scott Gimple. AMC has already announced that Andrew Lincoln will return as Rick Grimes in his own film to answer questions about his whereabouts. But the rest of the franchise's plans for its announced trilogy remain shrouded in mystery. From the way I understood it, the trilogy is going to be about Rick Grimes. And there have been a a lot of actors, current characters, past characters, that have already signed up to be in the movies, when, where we're going to see them. We have... No idea. It would be very interesting to see how they work Michael Cudlitz, into those movies. Or, who knows, they might be doing a completely different movie and have Kudlitz, uh be the center of it. That would be great also. The story of how Abraham, Rosita, and Eugene found each other on the road in the early days of the apocalypse would make for a very interesting prequel film we already do know how Eugene and Abraham got to meet Uh, where they found Rosita along the road that remains sort of a mystery but we did get to see how Eugene and Abraham hooked up and if it wasn't for Eugene no matter how cowardly he was and lying to Abraham right up front he saved his life Uh, you know Abraham was literally a second away from blowing his brains out after he lost his whole family in that grocery store. And if it wasn't for Eugene coming running across the street crying for help, uh, he probably would be dead. So, you know, we've talked about this before, but Eugene, in a lot of ways, saved his life. Welcome to Nikki Decca, 66 bn Welcome, guys, on Instagram. Gomez has also joined us on Instagram. Welcome to all of you. Dr. Pillsbuddy is with us on YouTube saying, yup, the comic book number one hundred episode was amazing that season was too hard to see though. I totally agree. Uh welcome by the way, Dr. Pillsbuddy. Uh Sniper is with us saying hello, welcome back, Sniper, saying sorry I missed yesterday because of my sister. Wasn't horrible, but my sister said he passed away at 12 a.m. this morning. Oh, I'm sorry, sniper. Um, I'm really sorry. That that really sucks. CC uh, Wheezy writes, um, and the show Abraham and Daniel Salazar somehow know each other. That's a good point, CC Weezy. There has been speculation when it comes to Daniel on Fear the Walking Dead that cigar that he's supposedly saving. Could possibly be for Abraham. Of course, Daniel not knowing that Abraham is dead. So, we'll see how that plays out. Now, we talked about this yesterday, about this new horror movie coming out, uh, the Jewish horror movie called Vigil. This movie is getting a lot of press. Positive press. Uh, And I'm... With each article that I read, it has me more and more intrigued, and I want to see this movie really, really bad. Uh, it, was in, it was mentioned in several different articles today. The New York Post wrote an article about it. The movie supposedly takes place in Brooklyn. I doubt that it was actually filmed in Brooklyn. I could be wrong just because it's very expensive to shoot in New York City. Uh, But it does take place in Brooklyn. The Jewish-themed horror movies are not unknown, but they are relatively rare. Certainly, they are less common than those which rely on uh, Catholic mythology and other forms of Christian folklore. One has to wonder if this is because filmmakers... Fear audiences are anti-Semitic. Jews in entertainment have long felt pressured to change their names so they sound less ethnic. That's just horrible. And therefore, it stands to reason that producers may believe people won't like genre pictures that focus on Jewish culture. The same principle would not apply to dramas about issues like the Holocaust, which are intended for an artsy crowd, but rather for those intended to be mass entertainment. And Just reading that about changing names, I don't know how many of you guys know this about J.K. Rawlings. Uh, she's the author who wrote the Harry Potter books. Uh, her, You know, she goes by the name J.K., because she felt that as a woman author she wouldn't be taken seriously and you see it all over in in the literary world in film television people you know feeling that they have to hide their ethnicity uh you know background whatever gender to not be judged. And that just is wrong. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree, disagree, or what, but for me, that's just damn wrong. Uh, You know, for me, I'm Greek, okay? I'm first-generation born American. The rest of my family was all born in Greece. I'm the first one in my family to be born here in the United States, in New York City. But I'm proud of my ethnicity and my my name i don't go by viz on the show to hide who i am that's just a nickname that i got in my first job out of college and uh along with 30 other nicknames that are not good viz is the only one that i like and that's why i go by viz which is short for my real last name which is Vizanyaris. Just too long of a Greek name, but I'm not ashamed of it. Anyway, I don't know this for sure, but it's a niggling suspicion I've harbored for some time. Fortunately, the rich ore of Jewish mythology has not gone completely neglected among horror filmmakers, which is a good thing because, frankly, there are a lot of terrifying entities in Judaic folklore. In recent films, you have had malevolent ghosts called Dibbicks, as seen in David S. Goyer and Michael Bay's film The Unborn back in 2009. Ol' Dahl and Sam Raimi film The Possession. Again, that's a film starring J.D. Morgan back in 2012. And monsters made out of mud or clay that come to life known as golems. Most prominently featured in the Israeli movie uh, The Golem in 2018. How many of you out there have seen this great movie called Jerusalem? Jerusalem. But instead of with an S, there's a Z in there. Uh, It's a great movie. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Uh, It's about a group. uh, It's been a while since I've seen it. But it's about a group of Americans that visit Jerusalem. And there's this syndrome, and this is real. It's called the Jerusalem syndrome. When people actually go and visit the Holy Land, they something happens to them mentally that changes them. And it varies from case to case. Uh, but this is, while they're there... Basically, the end times of the apocalypse start to happen, and it's a great movie. I don't want to spoil it for you, and it's been a while since I watched it, but check it out. It's called Jerusalem. Instead of an S, there's a Z, and it has great uh, special effects. It has a great story, and the ending is phenomenal. So, check it out. Uh, Khaleesi has not heard of it. Uh, Cece... uh, Cece Weezy hasn't seen that one. All right, Cece, I got one over on you. Cece Weezy has not seen Jerusalem. Well, if you want to watch a great movie, check it out. It's available all over Video On Demand. Uh, Go to the uh, Just uh, Watch app uh, or go to justwatch.com type it in. Like I said, it's spelled with a Z, not an S in Jerusalem. And see where it's currently streaming. Or if you want, I can look that up for you right now. (laughs) I just, that movie got me jazzed up. It was a great, great movie. Uh, Let's see. Now, this article goes on to say, you know what? I'm pretty curious. I'm going to look up, you know, don't mind me, guys. I want to look up where Jerusalem is streaming to. I really... For those of you that are interested in watching it, it really is a great... Here it is. Jerusalem. Okay. And, uh, okay, of course, it's available for streaming in a lot of places for free. So this is good. Uh, it's on Voodoo Free with ads. Okay. The Roku channel if uh, you have a Roku. It's also available on Tubi, DirecTV, Crackle, Shudder for free as well, and AMC Plus. So ton of options for you guys to watch this movie for free. So go to Voodoo, Roku Channel, Toby, DirecTV, Crackle, Shudder, AMC Plus, and you don't have to pay a dime to watch it. Just sign up if you don't already have an account. I would recommend Voodoo if you guys don't mind watching it with ads. Uh, or if you have Shudder, that would be my next recommendation is to watch it on Shudder. But definitely watch it. Great film. Uh, anyway, continuing on with this article. Now we have a Amazic, the supernatural baddie, featured in The Vigil. Written and directed by Keith Thomas in his directorial debut the vigil focuses on an invisible demon most usually are that Jewish mythology teaches will torment people in big ways and small during their day-to-day lives it also incorporates the second feature of Jewish culture the practice of shemira or a religious ritual of making sure that someone watches the body of a recently deceased person from their time of death till burial. We mentioned that yesterday. Using these two elements, the vigil is a straightforward tale. A lapsed a Hasidic Jew named Yaakov Ronin, played by Dave Davis, is asked by his friend Reb Shulem, played by Menashi Lustig, to be a Shamer, someone who performs the Shemira, over the body of a Holocaust survivor who died in Brooklyn's Hasidic Borough Park neighborhood, even though he is warned away by the deceased widow, Mrs. Litvak, before long a mazik begins to psychologically and physically torment him, Actions that take up the bulk of the film's uh, running time. And like I said yesterday, this is right up my alley of stuff that I love to watch. As a horror movie, the vigil falls qualitatively below a masterpiece like Midsommar. Uh, You know, Midsommar is a great film. Uh, I actually wrote an article. No, I posted an article uh, review about Midsommar. If you want to get our take on Midsommar, go ahead and read that on deadtalknews.com. I'm not going to get into it now. But better than Drek, like the Pet Cemetery remake. There are a lot of nice touches here that make it uh, instinctively interesting. One is that the characters often speak in Yiddish, a language that was nearly extinguished during the Holocaust, but is spoken in an increasing number of Hasidic Jewish communities. uh, Another is the matter-of-fact way in which Jewish culture is explained to the audience. When Yaakov says he is going to sit Shomer, for instance, this is viewed simply as an ordinary reality rather than trumped up to be something ominous. Uh, Demystifying it in a satisfying way, Thomas also wisely decides to rely on building tension and suspense for his scares rather than piling on the gore, which is great. For me, gore does not equal scary, which works well with this kind of psychological material. That last point, that The Vigil aims to be a psychological horror, deserves more unpacking because it is perhaps the most intriguing part of the film. Individual, the mazik, that's the demon, is an allegory for the trauma that Jews can bear after being victimized by anti-Semitism. This includes the horrors witnessed by acts of brutality and bullying. Of course, this is not limited to them. When facing discrimination, discrimination, people often expose the weakness in their own characters, their willingness to do wrong to others or their cowardice and feel plagued with shame and guilt afterwards. You know, that's what a bully is. You know, I'm sure everybody here has been bullied at one point or another. Uh, it's basically people that are very insecure and to make themselves feel better, they put down other people. These emotions can literally torment their victims for years after the traumatic episodes have occurred. And that is where the vigil is particularly clever. In Thomas's story, the mazik feeds off that psychic pain to select its victims. It is an adroit way of allowing the supernatural theme to become a character study without seeming forced or heavy-handed. The vigil is not without its flaws, however. There are too many jump scares. Oh, come on, can you have too much of the jump scares? And because the audience can see them coming from a mile away, they feel like padding rather than earned moments of fright. While Cohen does a great job as the creepy but sympathetic uh, Mrs. Lipbach, her character falls into another horror cliché. The side character who knows that the main character, or characters, is about to face a terrible evil, but only speaks in mysterious riddles rather than just being direct. And, you know, that is so true. It is a horror cliché. Someone who knows that something bad is going to happen and instead of coming out and just saying it, which they do sometimes, they are often speaking in tongues, in riddles, and you just want to go up to them and just say, spit it out. Just spit it out. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd automatically believe someone if they told me that performing shamer for a specific body would mean that the demon That tortured him for 50 years would go after me, but the information would at least give me a pause. Then there is the problem with the film's climax. Though emotionally satisfying, it feels a bit rushed. And this is one of those occasions where a denouement works on paper, but the execution falls a little bit flat. It could have been fleshed out a bit more. These aren't minor quibbles, but they are also, but they also aren't reasons to stay away from the vigil. It's a smart enough, scary enough, and unique enough to be worth a watch, both for horror fans and for people who want to see more Jewish culture represented on the screen. Thomas is obviously a talented director and for an initial outing, This is a good start. Hopefully, it will perform well enough to convince other horror filmmakers that Jewish mythology, like that of the Catholics and other religious groups, can be used to make compelling cinema. So, there you guys have it. Wow, that was a mouthful. How uh, are you, anyone out there, really curious to watch this movie? I know I am. And the Vigil is available uh, today. It is available today. And it's Friday. There's no show tomorrow. I may just wrap things up early tonight and just sit back and enjoy myself a good old horror movie. So, I may do that. I still have to watch The Walking Dead. But I do that with my son, and he's in bed by the time I'm done with this show. So... Ah, Summer is leaving. Summer, Summer, Summer. Aren't you going to at least say hello to me, Summer? I miss you, Summer. Uh, It's always a pleasure to see you come in here. Thank you for remembering us. Uh, AJ writes, Also, everyone, what is your favorite horror movie? Uh, Oh, CC Weezy is a great point. I have enlisted CC Weezy to uh, be a part of the show that we are going to be starting here very, very soon. CC Weezy is a very knowledgeable horror fan, has seen all sorts of horror movies, and we started talking uh, after the show, emailing back and forth, and uh, we are going to come up where we are going to pick a movie and... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll announce the movie, and the following week, giving everybody enough time who wants to watch it, to watch it, we are going to break down that movie. And CeCe Weezy is going to be picking the movies. Uh, me and CeCe are going to be collaborating, picking the movie, and then presenting it to you guys, and a week later, we are going to be breaking it down and talking about it. I think it's a great idea, a good way to spice things up a little bit, and I'm really looking forward to it, so we're going to be doing that. Uh, let's see, uh, we have uh, Suds Rock, who uh, is also with us on Instagram, welcome, welcome, I'm just going through the list, Miriam has also joined us on Instagram, so let's move on, looking at the time, damn, a half hour has already passed. Uh there's a Romero movie that apparently has never been released and it's going to be released. George A. Romero's lost roller coaster horror The Amusement Park is finally being released. It's been described as Romero's quote wildest and most imaginative movie. Uh, George Romero's roller coaster horror film, The Amusement Park, is finally getting a release date. Shudder, AMC Network's horror-centric streaming service, has acquired the rights for the 1973 film, which was considered lost until a print surfaced in 2018. Wow. Just think of that for a second. Lost for decades and it just surfaces up in 2018 if a single person let's say had the only copy of this movie and let's say just hypothetically speaking it was stashed in their attic or basement or storage room or whatnot and one day you go digging through and you find a George Romero movie ...that has never been watched by an audience... ...can you imagine how much that would be worth? Just think of it. Just imagine how much that is worth. And AMC, Shudder, Shudder is owned by AMC, acquired the rights. And I don't think we'll ever find out, but I'm curious... ...as to how much AMC had to fork over to get a copy of this movie it will be made available to watch this summer in the UK, Ireland, North America, Australia and New Zealand. The amusement park was commissioned by the Luther sorry, the Lutheran Society which wanted Romero to make a movie about the poor treatment of the elderly in contemporary society and Any Romero fans know that George Romero loves to make statements about culture and society in his films. Just look at Night of the Living Dead. Perfect example right there. Uh, Having an African-American male being the lead star and him getting shot after surviving a night of hell by a bunch of hillbillies. He was making a statement right there. However, the 52-minute production was never released as the nonprofit group decided it was too gruesome for mainstream audiences. Well, luckily, times have changed now. The film stars Lincoln Mazel as an elderly man who finds himself increasingly disoriented and isolated during a visit to a theme park. What he initially thinks will be an ordinary day quickly turns into a hellish nightmare filled with roller coasters and chaotic crowds. Shudder described Romero's lost film as perhaps his wildest and most imaginative movie, an allegory about the nightmarish realities of growing older. And in the 70s, I don't know how prevalent alzheimer's dementia was discussed openly i assume not very much uh any kind of mental mental illness even in the 70s uh even till today i mean let's be honest it has a big stigma attached to it but george didn't care he would go out and he would take on that challenge and and was not afraid of any kind of criticism he might face. The newly discovered print of the amusement park was found in 2018 by Daniel Krause, a longtime collaborator of Pan's Labyrinth director Guillermo del Toro. It was then restored in 4K by Indie Collect in New York. The moment we heard the amusement park had been rediscovered and was being restored, we knew we had to bring this unseen George A. Romero masterpiece to Shudder members, said Craig Engler, Shudder's general manager. Suzanne DeRocher Romero, the late director's widow, is the founder and president of the George A. Romero Foundation, she served as the producer for the film. The first and only work-for-hire in Romero's career sheds a new perspective on an ongoing issue of ageism, and Romero's uncanny sense of reflection on society and Romero's footprint is ever-present and bodes well for the future of his impact on American cinema, Derosia Romero said. We are thankful to Yellow Veil Pictures who helped forge a path for us to find the most perfect custodian for this piece. Shudder understands that this film adds an important element to the Romero over, and we are very grateful. So, wow. I mean, this person, Daniel, who came across this movie, I'm just really curious. I'm really curious how much AMC forked over for this movie. Because it's like finding gold. It really is the equivalent of finding gold. Uh, Tina wants to know if I have seen Red Snow. Sounds familiar. I can't remember it, but it's I might have or I might not. I don't know. Uh, let's see. AJ writes, Hey, Viz, you should make a stream about The Thing movie ending. It's a good movie. 10 out of 10. Uh, oh, we've talked about The Thing a lot uh, on this show. Uh, fantastic movie. And we're going to continue talking about it for a while uh just reading through your guys's chats uh brooklyn wants to know if i'm from the walking dead no i have not appeared on the walking dead no 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 uh welcome to uh two pigs uh on instagram christian also is giving us a thumbs up on instagram Uh, Welcome to all you guys, keeping an eye on the time. Uh, Here's another article that I found very interesting. You've heard me talk about this movie plenty of times on the show, Event Horizon. It is really, I, I cannot stress this enough, it's an underrated movie that came out in 1997. It brings the elements of space, paranormal, and basic, the concept of hell all together in a single film. It stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill. It has a great cast, great story. Uh, I remember I went and watched this in the movies when it first came out in '97. Uh, AJ writes Everyone keeps asking you if you're on The Walking Dead. It's crazy. Uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, Event Horizon, uh, after the success of Mortal Kombat, Paul Anderson was looking to move away from PG-13 style movie that made him famous. He wanted to explore humanity's much darker side for his next project. So he looked to the stars. Space, according to some, it's the final frontier. But in 97, Paul Anderson unleashed a horror film that showed that hell was a real place that could be accessed by mankind. But with primal curiosity and the need for exploration, should it be? After production issues, a rushed schedule, and lost footage, Anderson himself seemed to have entered his own nightmare. So let's dig into Paul Anderson's event Horizon. Cece, have you seen Event Horizon? I don't know if I've asked you that or not. Uh, let's see what it says. Hold on. I'm just looking through some of these quotes. Uh, here's a snapshot from the movie. To basically explain Event Horizon in a nutshell, for those of you guys who have not seen it, or have even heard about it, uh, obviously it takes place in the future. Uh, there was a ship called the Event Horizon that was sent on a mission, okay? It was a super secret uh, spaceship. Uh, Not a lot of people knew about what it was capable of, but basically it was testing out a new technology where it can take space, and you guys might've heard of this concept, to travel long distances. It can fold space and basically like a wormhole You can go through one end and come out the other end, whether it's in another galaxy or, in this case, another dimension, and uh, in a split second, and not have to worry about the limitations of uh, traveling faster than light. Anyway, the ship goes missing for a long, long time. And then, out of the blue, uh, they start receiving distress signals from this lost ship called the Event Horizon. That's where Lawrence Fishburne, who is a commander of another ship, is sent out and he brings Sam Neill, who does know about the technology that was going uh, on with the Event Horizon. And his wife was also the captain of the Event Horizon. So when the ship was lost, she was lost too. So he had a very personal vested interest. Anyway... They find the ship. Uh, It's a ghost ship. Nobody is there. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's crew uh, does not know about the technology until Sam Neill finally reveals what the ship was supposed to be testing out. The premise of the movie is that while testing out this new technology, the event horizon, it instead of traveling to another part of space it broke through dimensions and actually traveled to hell it traveled to hell and it came back it is gory scary as shit and an amazing film and severely underrated, highly highly underrated film uh Tina writes uh, a good movie. Uh, CC Weezy writes she did see it. Big Lawrence Fishburne fan as am I. I love him. Uh, CC also writes it's basically a haunted house in space. Absolutely, but a lot more diabolical, a lot more sinister, evil. I mean, when you watch when you watch Event Horizon, the word evil is just blaring at you because that's what this ship is after it returns back from hell it is basically the embodiment of hell and evil uh brought back into our dimension scary as hell uh here are some uh, quotes a rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and now has returned with someone or something new on board uh, another quote, Hollywood has had its fair share of historically troubled productions, whether it was casting changes, actor death, fire directors, in-production rewrites, constant delays, budget cuts, or studio edits. These films had every intention to uh, be a blockbuster, but were best, but were beset with unforeseen disasters. Sometimes huge hits, sometimes box office bombs. Either way, we have to ask, WTF happened to this horror movie. And another movie that uh, falls on the other end of the spectrum and is not underrated and is a great movie that suffered a whole bunch of production problems is World War Z. They actually had to redo the entire last 45 minutes of world war z because the original that they made it bombed with uh, test audiences Uh, we've never seen it but it sucked it ruined the whole movie so at the end of the day i'm glad they redid it i loved world war z i loved the ending they gave us but it's probably the reason why we have not seen a sequel, and as time goes on, I think we're not going to see a sequel to World War Z, which is really sad, because it's an amazing film, and the way they left it, it is completely open for a sequel, to see humanity's fight back against these rage zombies, and Brad Pitt being the one that gave humanity a chance by finding out a weak spot and how you can basically walk amongst the dead, like the Whisperers found a way to walk amongst the dead in The Walking Dead. Uh, In World War Z, all you got to do is be sick. If uh, the zombies, the rage zombies in World War Z, they have a way of sensing if someone is sick. And if they're sick... They want nothing to do with you. In World War Z, the zombie is the walking embodiment of the virus itself. And as a virus, its sole intention is to replicate. And that's why they go around biting other people. They don't eat them, like you see in a lot of other zombie movies. In World War Z, their sole intention is to bite, infect, and move on. Replicate. So... Sad for me to say it, uh, I would be surprised if we see a sequel to World War Z, especially as time goes on, I don't know if Brad Pitt is interested in doing it, uh, he, but from what I hear it was not a very pleasant experience for him, so whether it's Brad Pitt and all the disaster that went into the first one, I don't know, we just have to wait and see, I hope they, uh, they do make a sequel Khaleesi writes, I'll watch the sequel if they kill Brad off 30 minutes in. Oh, come on. I guess you're not a Brad Pitt fan. I like Brad Pitt. I think it was good. Uh, let's see. Going now. Mart is giving us a thumbs up on Instagram. Danya is saying hello. Welcome, Danya, on Instagram. Tariq writes, nice t-shirt. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can see it, but. It's Judith, Judith Grimes. Ah, uh, shit. We're almost out of time. Let's uh, let's do uh, let's do our topic. Uh, as always, I, I'm really I really like to Watch Mojo people. I love their videos and I love sharing them with you guys. Today's uh, topic is in horror movies. As we all know, the good guys don't always win. Evil. In fact, most of the time ends up coming out on top, if not at least half the time, I would say most of the time. So watch Mojo put together a great little video that highlights some of the movies where at the end of the day, evil wins. So let's go ahead and check that out. And we're not going to be able to watch the whole thing because we only have like 10, less than 10 minutes, but let's see what we can watch.
1: Somebody help me! Welcome to Watch Mojo, and today we're counting down our picks for the top 10 horror movies where evil wins. Think what you doing! Think! in the name of God, what you doing! What's like to live deliciously? Hail! For this list, we're looking at horror films without happy endings. Since we'll be dealing with major plot points here, a spoiler alert is in effect. Be sure and tell us which sinister, cinematic conclusions you'd pick in the comments.
0: At which point If you like what you're hearing, be sure count. to
1: check out the full song at the link below. I mean, if a movie came out in the 70s, come on. Spoiler alert! Number 10. Night of the Living Dead.
0: We just talked about this.
1: Much has been written about the social commentary of director George Romero's 1968 zombie classic. The casting of Dwayne Jones in the lead role as Ben is remembered today as being progressive for the times, and critics saw the character's tragic fate as being particularly resonant. In the finale, sole survivor Ben seems to have emerged from this night of terror unscathed, only to be mistaken for one of the living dead by a group of zombie hunters and killed.
0: Alright, Vince hit him in the head, I right call them hillbillies.
1: Out. It's a real punch in the gut, and that hollow feeling you're left with is further compounded by shots of bodies being burned by the group. And Dwayne Jones, Number the nine, Sounds seven. Familiar? This guy paid me five hundred bucks to bring it out here, man. By now, most horror fans already know what's in the box at the end of David Fincher's 1995 crime I thriller. Played by Kevin Spacey, John Doe has committed grisly crimes inspired by the seven deadly sins. I but really in the film's climax, police take him into custody, seemingly ending his reign of terror. That is, until Doe's final act pushes Detective Mills, played by Brad Pitt, over the edge. Khaleesi, how can Seems you, you not like Brad Pitt oh, in, what's in the box? Upon learning that it is, in fact, the head of his oh, pregnant Khaleesi wife Tracy in the box, Mills becomes from, the embodiment you. of wrath. He shoots Doe's character, and in doing so, effectively completes the serial killer's plan to die as a martyr.
0: I would have shot the bastard myself too.
1: With this last bit of bloodshed, Seven's grim narrative comes to an even more downbeat conclusion. Number 8, The Blair Witch Project. I'm downstairs. Come on, I hear him downstairs. Come on. The Blair Witch Project achieved a great deal with very little when it was released back in 1999. The film, which was produced on a shoestring budget, created Buzz with an excellent viral marketing campaign, one that made the most of an early internet age. It's credited with popularizing the found footage style of filmmaking pioneered by marketing Cannibal Holocaust back Woods in 1980, project, back and in the delivered 90s, a similarly bleak ending. In it, the dark surroundings they and shaky camera so are used to perfect effect as, as Heather, Mike and Josh get their wish so to meet so the mythical Blair Witch. The image of Mike standing in the corner and Heather's happen. anguished screams cutting to silence haunted moviegoers for years. <laughs> Number That's 7. The Witch. Wouldst thou like to live deliciously? The ending of The Witch seemed to divide audiences. Some viewers wanted a more ambiguous ending, others a more grounded rationale behind the supernatural goings-on in the film. Old-school horror buffs, however, received a satisfying and very spooky sequence that embraces the film's occult elements, which had previously been kept largely off-screen. I cannot write my name. Black Phillip is indeed the Devil, and initiates Soul Survivor Thomason into his coven of witches after the decimation of her family. The ending imagery of Satan and his minions laughing and flying into the night is the stuff of nightmares, and a true callback to horror's golden age. Number 6. The Descent I'm not a big fan of them. Okay, so for this one, I mean, we're going with the bad. ending shown in the United Kingdom. In this version, Shauna McDonald's Sarah Carter hallucinates that she escapes from her deadly spelunking adventure, only for it to be revealed that she actually never left the cave, spelunking. and is about to be the last of her friends spelunking. to fall victim to the crawlers. It was a good movie, I don't know, for me, just... It's a kick in the teeth that leaves us shaken and disturbed, but not one that American audiences were able to see until the film was released on home video. Instead, they got a more ambiguous ending in which Sarah escapes the cave and gets in her car, only to hallucinate a jump scare of Natalie Mendoza's Juno Kaplan instead. Boo! Number 5. Hereditary Ah! All hail King Paymon. Okay, so by now you might be feeling sick of downer endings, but buckle up, because we still have five to go! 2018's Hereditary wowed audiences and critics with its careful balancing act, combining grounded depictions of grief with a dedication to old-school, shocking supernatural horror. The ending, in particular, delivered the latter in spades. From Annie's unnerving possession scene, to Peter being crowned as King of a New Occult Coven. Charlie. How many of you guys have watched Arnold
0: Schwarzenegger's End of Times?
1: You're all right now. I
0: believe that's what it's called. It's dark, or, or it's end unsettling, end and it's days. unafraid to push with boundaries Burns, with both its graphic execution
1: and relentlessly depressing tone. I mean Schwarzenegger. In other words, don't expect not, a hereditary you know, franchise of sequels anytime up, soon. Gabriel Burns uh, portrayal Number four, of the, devil. the Omen. Spot on. How could one possibly take the life of a child? That is what diplomat Robert Thorne has to ask himself when he discovers that his adopted son is actually the spawn of Satan. The Omen continues to pose the same question… Because we're running short on time. The The film ends with young Damien Victorious, smiling softly at at the camera, letting us know that that he's one step closer to fulfilling his unholy destiny.
0: Good Good casting, there.
1: Number 3. Rosemary's Baby. What you, you guys out there rosemary's baby is another horror classic that could have easily taken the, the metaphorical route of plot. instead this it chose to have its titular protagonist literally assaulted by the devil and impregnated with his child like roman polanski's adaptation of ira levin's novel isn't and mere exploitation however that. exploring pregnancy neurosis and women's rights in a horror <laughs> ending never after. the body snatchers <laughs> So, 78 was the remake. Philip Kaufman's 1978 classic is one of horror's all-time best remakes. A near-perfect amalgamation of the decade's internal paranoia with sci-fi from the seemingly surviving spectacular, however, when the newly-assimilated Matthew howled into our brains forever. We're gonna go through the notable mentions. mentions. The Vanishing. Our protagonist, the elder... ...to family man. Daddy, you're home! Hellfest.
0: Number one. Wow. Wreck.
1: Dragged into darkness. Oh no, they're
0: still doing the honorable mention.
1: Drag me to hell. It's right there in the title. Jeepers Creepers. Before we continue, be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. You have the option to be notified for occasional videos or all of them. If you're on your phone, make sure to go into your settings. Think what you're doing! The Wicker Man,
0: number one.
1: In the name of God, think what you're doing! Wow, the Wicker Man
0: was in yesterday's list as well, so there you guys have it, okay? There's a lot more than 10 movies where evil wins, but that was their selection of 10, their top 10. Good list, good list. Uh, We are out of time, guys. This hour just flies by so fast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. Stay safe. Please, for more information, visit our website, DeadTalkLive.com. Visit our news site, DeadTalkNews.com. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter. If you're on YouTube right now, please go ahead and like this video, subscribe to our channel if you have yet to do so. Uh, We'll be back on the air with you guys on Monday, where we are going to break down The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead episode 17. That's what we're doing on Monday. Tuesday, we have special guests sean roberts tuesday we're starting at a special time of 7 p.m thank you so much stay safe i will see you guys on monday and until monday stay walking guys